Welcome to the Alpha Ministries podcast. Alpha Ministries is a recovery church. Our mission is to teach individuals and institutions to recognize and apply the gospel of grace, building stronger families and communities. Today's podcast is sponsored by TJB Web Media, a New Jersey SEO marketing and WordPress web design company for businesses, churches, and nonprofits. It is the number one ranked company in Google for SEO company and internet marketing. You can check out their information in our show notes. Today's podcast is part nine of the Walking Backwards series. John has been teaching Sunday mornings at Church in the Woods at Freedom Ranch. Without further delay, here is the message. And probably one of the most dramatic things that makes our walk Christian lifestyle, the lifestyle of grace and truth, so opposite and so totally backwards to the world, is that we walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And I want to explain that to you today. I want you to understand the marvelous provisions God has given us for this backwards walk He's called us to. Marvelous provisions He's given us through His Spirit working in us to walk just like Jesus walked in opposition to the world system we live in. So I'm going to read a few verses to you out of Romans chapter 8, which happens to be one of my favorite chapters. I had a an old guy, he's probably dead by now, but uh, when I was in school years ago, he said, listen, if you're going to memorize any part of the Bible, memorize Romans 8. And the more I've studied that, the more I realized how right he was. But in Romans 8, in the first 11 verses, he gives us some insight into what it means to walk after the Spirit rather than after the flesh. So let me just read the verses to you and then we'll put them in context and explain a little bit about what we're talking about. Verse 1, There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. God, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. 
Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwells in you. Now, I know that's a rather lengthy reading, and in all fairness, I probably could take the next month or so to explain it to you because there's so much packed in here. But what we're really interested in this morning, what I'm concerned with more than anything else, is that you have a clear understanding of what it means to walk in the Spirit rather than walk in the flesh. What it means to walk after the Spirit rather than walking after the flesh. You see, this, this is a fundamental difference a basic difference in our lifestyle. Just as basic as the difference between a lifestyle of law and lies and a lifestyle of grace and truth. A radical black and white difference. Just as fundamental and basic as the difference between the old covenant of works and the new covenant of grace. So walking after the Spirit is what we're really after here this morning. We want to understand that. First of all, let's, let's see the context here. In Romans 8, it's the last chapter of the three chapters that I describe as simply the gospel or the good news for believers. Now, I make an assumption here this morning. And I'm assuming that each one of you are believers. I'm assuming at one point in time in your life, you have chosen to believe the gospel concerning Jesus and his death on the cross for your sins. And that you've entered into a personal relationship with him. I'm assuming that each one of you here know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Now, if I'm wrong about that, you come and talk to me afterwards. And we'll talk about it, all right? But I'm assuming you're already believers. So this gospel or this good news is for you. You see, it's an interesting little note that I think uh, it would be well to just remind you of right now, and that is the entire New Testament Scriptures, all of the New Testament, is written to believers. Did you know that? Yeah, it's written to Christians. Not written to the unsaved. They couldn't understand it anyhow. It's written to the children of God. And here in Romans, he's given us specific information about how the gospel applies to us as believers. I just finished a book that my brother gave to me, Brother Alex. He keeps me posted on these books. <laughs> Sends me an Amazon book every now and then. It was called Pure Grace. And I finished that and I liked it. And in that, the main argument of that book 
was that Christians not only are saved by grace through faith, but they're sanctified by grace through faith as well. What does that mean? It means you not only start your life by grace through faith, but as we've been stressing over and over again every week, you live your life as a Christian by grace through faith. In this particular passage of Scripture, I can't tell you how important this is, how foundational this is for you to be able to live your life on an everyday basis, day in and day out, by grace through faith. And what makes that different from the normal lifestyle is you're not walking after the flesh, you're walking after the Spirit. So let's look at the benefits here. In Romans chapter 6, Paul tells us that we are a brand new person. We're created a brand new person. The old person we were was crucified and buried with Christ, and a new person raised up. And that's who you are right now. As a believer, as a Christian, you're a brand new person in Christ. As he says to the Corinthians, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. So you're a brand new person in Romans 6, and therefore you are free from sin. Did you know that? Sin is not a problem anymore. Now, assuming that you're all believers, assuming that you all are Christians, I want to announce to you this morning, based on the authority of the Word of God, that you do not sin. Let that sink in a minute. You don't sin. You say, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait just a minute. If I don't sin, who sinned last night? And if I don't sin, who's planning to sin later on? What do you mean I don't sin? You can't sin because of who God has made you to be. This is a little known fact in the Christian world that we would do well to emphasize, and that is that God crucified the old sinful person you were and raised up a brand new person who has never sinned, is not now sinning, and never will sin because that new person you are has as a free gift the righteousness of Christ. Jesus never sinned. He's not sinning now, and he never will sin. That's his righteousness. And that's been given to you freely as a gift of God. But does that mean we don't have a sin problem? Not at all. Just because you don't sin, this new person God has made you to be can't sin. Doesn't mean that you are not contending with the problem of sin. Did you know that? Why? Because this new sinless person you are is still living in the same old body you were born with. 
and contained in this physical, as Paul calls it, mortal body. Why does he call it a mortal body? See, anything that's mortal is going to die, right? It's not immortal. It's mortal. It's going to die. Well, why is it going to die? Because the wages of sin is death. That's why your body's growing old and dying. Did you know that? Why? Because it still has sin in it. Now, is that you? Oh, no. God has separated you from your sin. He has made you a brand new sinless person. But in this physical body of yours, there's what Paul refers to as the indwelling sin. Or what we naturally or normally would call the flesh. The flesh is the sum total of all the conditioning you've received. All your coping strategies, your natural coping strategies, all your habits, all of the ways you naturally would live. That's the flesh. But that's not you. Listen to it again, verse 1. There is therefore, now, right this minute, and if we understand the context of this statement in detail, we'll understand that in Romans chapter 7, he leaves us in the last verse of that chapter with a conflict. Look at, let's just read it. Let me read it to you real quick. He says, So then, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. See, there's still the flesh. There's still the sin problem that each believer has. Why? Because you're still living in this sin-cursed mortal body. So you still got a problem. Now, what he's illustrated to us in chapter 6 and 7 is especially in chapter 7, is that you cannot deal with that problem, that sin problem, by yourself. You can't do it. It's impossible. The flesh has a head start on you. He gives us his own personal testimony in Romans 7, saying that when I want to do what's right, I can't do it. When I want to quit doing what's wrong, I do it anyhow. And he recognizes that it's not really him. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. It's not me doing it. It's my stinking flesh that's doing it. And by the way, that flesh never has quit sinning. Did you know that? Yeah. Even though you, as a brand new person, are under no condemnation because you as a brand new person created in Christ Jesus enjoy all the personal benefits of being one with Jesus. And those personal benefits include the fact that there's no condemnation to you. None. Because you're a brand new person created in Christ. Even though that's true about you, you still have to contend with this sin-cursed mortal body that contains the flesh. There's still a war going on. Now, most of you have an inkling of that war going on inwardly. 
you've got some idea inwardly and can relate to Paul when he says, okay, I want to do what's right, but I can't do it. I want to quit doing what's wrong, but I do it anyhow. If you don't, if you can't really relate to that, if you're having trouble understanding that, let me advise you to do this exercise. Start a diet. Start a diet. Yeah. Tell yourself what you can eat and what you can't eat. Okay? Start a diet. See how long you last. Now, nothing sparks more hope in the human heart than the first three days of a diet. But that fourth day, you're getting everything in the house. Why? Because when you want to do what's right, you can't do it. When you want to quit doing what's wrong, you do it anyhow. Now, the first way Paul learned to deal with that is by separating out himself as a new person from his flesh, that indwelling sin. He said, now when that happens, it's no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Does that sound like a cop-out to you? Hmm? Yeah, it does. Let's suppose I go rip off a 7-Eleven, get a little extra cash, you know. And the cops catch me. And they arrest me. And I tell them, listen, it wasn't me that did that. It was my flesh. How do you think that's going to fly? Hmm? Fortunately, I got a Christian cop who also read Romans 7. And he says, I understand. Believe me, I understand. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not going to arrest you. I'm going to arrest your flesh. I'm not going to book you. I'm going to book your flesh. I'm not going to put you in jail. I'm going to put your flesh in jail. What's the obvious problem here? Where am I? I'm living in the same body with my flesh. Somebody needs to control that mess. And it's not me that can do it. So who's going to do it? The Spirit of God living within you. He's going to do it. I thank God, Paul says in the last chapter, or last verse of chapter 7, I thank God through Jesus Christ. But he left somebody out there. When he said, who's going to deliver me? He said, I thank God, that's God the Father, through Jesus, God the Son. But he hadn't mentioned the third one, has he? God the Holy Spirit. You see, up to this point in Romans, the Holy Spirit's only been mentioned a couple times. But now in Romans 8, He's going to be mentioned and talked about 23 times. So clearly the emphasis is on what the Spirit of God is going to do in your life to set you free from condemnation. The first thing he did was make you a brand new person. Crucified the old person that was guilty and sinful, dysfunctional. Buried him and raised up a brand new person that never has sinned and never will sin. 
That's the first thing he did. But what else does he do? That's why there is therefore now no condemnation. Even in the midst of this conflict that we have between the new person we are wanting to do what's right and that flesh holding us back wanting to do what's wrong. Even in the midst of that conflict, Paul says, there's no condemnation. Now, a lot of Christians get the idea that if you have such a conflict inside, if you're trying to do what's right, but you blow it, if you're trying to quit doing what's wrong, but you do it anyhow, then you are to be condemned. What are they basing that on? They're basing that on your behavior. You did bad behavior, you need to be condemned. But you see, the Gospel says, you didn't do it. Your flesh did. Therefore, there is now, even in the middle of the conflict, no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Now listen to that in Christ phrase. That's very, very important. It's similar to what Paul uses elsewhere throughout the New Testament when he says in Him or in whom. He's talking about our union with Christ. That we have become one with Christ. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And then this last phrase in verse 1, which in some manuscripts of the Bible is not there, but it is in verse 4. He says, Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Who is that guy? You see, I used to think, I'd be honest with you, I didn't really know what walking after the flesh was. But it didn't sound good. Right? Didn't sound good walking after the flesh. Even though I didn't really know what it was, I know that's not a good thing. Well, what is walking after the flesh versus walking after the Spirit? What is he trying to teach us here? What is he trying to get across to us? He is not referring to your behavior. A lot of people think that. They think, well, if I behave myself, I'm walking after the Spirit. If I don't behave myself, I'm walking after the flesh. No, it's not that simple. So you cannot walk after the flesh. Did you know that? Why? Because you're not after the flesh. You are after the Spirit. What does he mean by that? It means you are the result of the creative process of God through the Spirit. You are after the Spirit. You were born into this world naturally after the flesh. That's why Jesus said you need to be born again. And when you were born again from above, you became after the Spirit. Totally different. So what he's talking about when he says walking after the Spirit is it means your identity, who you are. It means your position. You're walking after the Spirit. 
not after the flesh. Now, how did that happen? He goes on to explain here. For what the law, or let me back up in verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's kind of what Paul talks about elsewhere and what other New Testament writers talk about when they say the perfect law of liberty. It's the life in Christ Jesus. The Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? That means the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus is you become a brand new person in Christ. Brand new. You're not the same person you've always thought you were. You're a brand new person in Christ. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus means you can count on the fact that you are dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus assures you that sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus tells you that you are married to Christ. That your old husband, the law, has died. And that you have been joined inseparably to Christ to bring forth fruit into God. That's the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from another law. What's that law? The law of sin and death. That's a real simple law, isn't it? If you sin, what happens? You die. The wages of sin is death. What sets you free from that is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Now he explains in the next couple of verses, for what the law couldn't do, what the demands of the law, the Ten Commandments and the over 1,000 commandments of the New Testament, what, it, what they could never do is make you holy, make you perfect, make you sinless. They could never do that. All the law can do is demand that you be perfect and condemn you to death for not being perfect. That's all the law can do. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Why couldn't you keep the law? Because of the flesh. Because of that indwelling sin. What the law could not do because of the flesh, God did. What did He do? Sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemn sin in the flesh. Now when did He do that? He did it at the cross. You see, when Jesus hung on the cross, God made Him who knew no sin to become sin for us. Why? that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. What the law could not do, God did. By sending His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemn sin in the flesh. Why did He do that? That the righteousness of the law 
might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You see this new person you are? Doesn't walk after the flesh. It walks after the Spirit. This new person you are is energized by the Spirit. You're alive because of the Spirit. Now at this point, you might begin to think, well, that's a marvelous provision, but what else? He goes on to explain a little more detail in these next few verses. Let me read them to you. Beginning in verse 5, he says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Here he moves from our behavior to our thinking. He moves inwardly. He says, people who are walking after the flesh are always thinking in the flesh. Their beliefs, their assumptions are all of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, people who are walking after the Spirit are thinking the things the Spirit is teaching them. And he explains even further in verse 6, for in, uh, I'm sorry, for to be carnally minded, that's your natural mind, is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So here he gives us two totally radically different ways of thinking. One, to be carnally minded, your natural thinking as you as you've learned throughout your entire life to think naturally. And by the way, just to help you with that, your natural thinking is thinking according to the law. You're always looking for what's right and what's wrong. You're always trying to prove you are right and not wrong. You're always trying to prove others are wrong and not right. That's the carnal mind. It's under the law. It's thinking according to right and wrong under the law. That's not the spirit. And to be carnally minded is death. When you're thinking like that under the law, filled with law and lies, you kill relationships. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. Why? Because you're so damn self-righteous and justifying yourself all the time. Nobody wants to be around you. That's why. It kills relationships. It destroys relationships to get into that is it right or is it wrong thinking. And it destroys your own personal satisfaction as well because you'll finally conclude that you're wrong and not right. You see, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. What does that mean? To hear and understand what the Spirit of God is telling you. The assurance He's given you about who you are brings life and peace. So he goes on to give us an application here. Because the carnal mind, the natural thinking, 
the natural way we think. The carnal mind is enmity against God. He doesn't say it's an enemy against God. An enemy can be reconciled. Okay, You can have an enemy and then you can get together and reconcile with an enemy. Enmity can never be reconciled. It's totally, radically opposite. The carnal mind is enmity against God, is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Verse 80 concludes, So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Your natural lifestyle doesn't please God at all. That natural lifestyle you have in the flesh is not pleasing to Him whatsoever. Now, at this point, most Christians, including myself, get a little nervous, <laughs> okay? Because, okay, they, they get to thinking, well, that means if I have the flesh, I can't please God. No, that's not what he said. He said they that are in the flesh, not they that have the flesh. It's true you have the flesh because you still live in a sin-cursed body. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. How does he know that? Verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God lives in you. How do I know I'm in the Spirit? Because the Spirit of God is continually bearing witness with my Spirit that I am the child of God. Now, if you don't have that, you're none of His. As he goes on to say in that same verse, now if any man have not the Spirit of God, he is none of His. But I want you to notice this. Notice carefully because it's a little one of those little details that makes all the difference in the world. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. And if Christ be in you, verse 10, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. See, this body is going to die. It's dead. It's on its way out. Why? Because sin dwells in this mortal body with the new person that God has made me to be. I've got the flesh living in this mortal body. And this mortal body is going to die. It's headed out. But the Spirit is life. That new person I am has eternal life. Now based on that, listen to this promise in verse 11. He says, Now, but if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead, that's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, dwell in you. If you've got the Spirit of God living in you, which if you're a Christian, by the way, you do. Okay, don't, don't be running around poor-mouthing as I've seen many Christians do. Say, oh, well, I don't have the Spirit. If you believed on Jesus and you were born again, you have the Spirit. And He is dwelling in you. And if the Spirit of Him that raised up Christ Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead 
shall also quicken. Remember, we talked about that word several times before. Quicken, what does that mean? It's an old English word for make alive. That same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead is living inside of you in that sin-cursed mortal body you've got with indwelling sin, with the flesh, pestering the new person you are day in and day out. Well, what's that new spirit? What's that spirit going to do in there? He's going to quicken. He's going to make alive your sin-cursed mortal body. He's going to cause it to come alive with the life of Christ. He's going to do for you what you can't do for yourself. Who's going to do that? The Spirit. Not you. The Spirit. That's why I keep harping on this over and over and over again to Christians. Frustrated Christians who are trying as hard as they can to not sin so they can please God. And I harp on this over and over again. Quit trying to be a good Christian. Quit. The more you try to be a good Christian, the more you announce to all of heaven that Jesus is a wimp that died for nothing. He didn't get the job done. I've got to step in and do something and I can't get it done. Oh, woe is me. Quit trying to be a good Christian. You can't do it. Only the Spirit of God working in you can demonstrate who God has actually made you to be. Did you know that? Yeah. He can quicken this sin-cursed mortal body, make it come alive with the life of Christ according to His plan and His purpose, His time for His glory. The Spirit of God does this. Not you. Now, Walking after the Spirit means we have an opportunity to live this brand new lifestyle of grace and truth I've been talking about. Walking after the Spirit means we have the potential to be set free by that Spirit who lives within us. Walking after the Spirit is the happy condition of each one of you as a believer. You are walking after the Spirit right now because the Spirit made you come alive. And it's up to the Spirit. Now, there's some amazing things He can do and has done. I've experienced it my own self in several different situations of Him doing things with me I had no idea He was going to do to quicken my mortal body, my sin-cursed mortal body. I found this out the hard way when I was a youngster. And I was trying to be cool at college. I took a girl out, freshman girl, to a party. 
with a carnal plan in mind. I plan to get her drunk and take her to bed. That's what I plan to do. I even tried drinking scotch, which I hate, thinking I was cool. I offered it to her, but she didn't drink. I said, oh man, this is going to be a lot harder than I thought. And here we are at this party, dancing on the dance floor. Well, I don't dance, but I was moving on the dance floor anyhow. And I looked down at her, and there were tears running down her cheeks. And I was shocked. I said, what happened? Did I step on you? Did I hurt you? What, what happened? She said, no, I'm just so empty inside. Before I could stop it, out of my mouth came these words. The reason you're so empty inside is because you need Jesus as your personal Savior. And He's here right now to receive you. What do you suppose that did to all my carnal plans? <laughs> Dang it, man. I wasn't even planning that. Well, what happened? The same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead quickened my mortal, sin-cursed body with the life of Christ. Years later, I met her again. She was married and had a little boy. And she came running up to me, grinning from ear to ear. And she said, do you remember that night we went on our first date? And I was kind of embarrassed. And I said, yeah, I think I remember that. She said, I'll never forget it. That's the night I was born again. See, you think you're in charge of your life. You think you know what you ought to do, where you ought to go, what you ought to say. You think you have something to add here. But the Spirit of God is the one who raises you up. See, you're God's instrument. You represent Jesus to the world around you. And it's up to the Spirit to move in you, to quicken your mortal body, to make it come alive with the life of Christ. And this He does. Now obviously, this is going to be radically different. A radically different lifestyle than our natural lifestyle, isn't it? When you're walking after the Spirit and not after the flesh, you're in a radically different lifestyle. When you're walking after the Spirit, you're primed and ready for a lifestyle of grace and truth. You're primed and ready for a miraculous lifestyle living like Jesus on this earth. And that's what he said. That's the basis. That's the foundation. Why? Because you're walking 
after the Spirit, not after the flesh. The flesh isn't going to do you any good. The Spirit's the one who's leading, directing, guiding you in everything you do and say. Now, obviously, we're not going to exhaust this subject today, so I'm going to quit here for this morning. And we'll come back to this, the Lord willing, next week. And we'll talk about not just walking after the Spirit, but walking in the Spirit. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father God, if we come in Your presence, I thank You. I thank You for that Spirit that You've sent into our hearts crying out the Father. I thank You for that Spirit. The Spirit of adoption. Not the Spirit of bondage again to fear that You've given to each of us. I thank You, Father, for the assurance that we have that Your Spirit is working in us in this sin-cursed mortal body of ours to make it come alive with the life of Your Son, Jesus. And I ask You to free us up, Father, to be able to receive that and understand it and to count on that all the days of our life. For these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Appreciate you all being here. Encourage you to continue to walk after the Spirit. Thank you again for listening. If you want more access to Alpha Ministries teaching, you can like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and visit our website. All times and dates for services and other events are on our website listed in the show notes. 